0: The Modpod by Modality System. Welcome to the Modpod, the podcast from Modality. ModPod will take an informal but informed look at the world of Microsoft technologies. Uh, and the modern workplace. Episodes will be released fortnightly and a changing team of three people will each bring a chosen topic for discussion, all unscripted and unrehearsed. Whether it's security and governance, to the world of operations from Azure, CSP, uh, through to the etiquette in Teams, we'll be looking at new ways of working, new technologies and business trends. We will cover anything and everything. Suitable for the C-suite, techies, or anybody wanting to navigate the new working world, uh, if you want us to uh, talk about a particular topic, please get in touch at the themodpod at modalitysystems.com. Hello, and welcome to episode one of The Mod Pod. I'm Pete Bazy, Head of Technical
1: Services.
2: I'm Lindsay Ansell. I'm Customer Success Manager.
1: And I'm Bob Dalton, I'm Director of Global Managed Services. Great, good names, good titles. So
0: we'll crack on with topic number one. Uh, This is my topic for today. Uh, We have been in lockdown for about 12 months. The lockdown triggered an awful lot of companies to fire up teams very, very quickly. So 12 months in, are people aware of really what's going on under the hood? If they are, are they doing anything about it? Is it a complete mess? Uh, what are we seeing? Um, so I'll start. Uh, I think there are an awful lot of organizations out here who really, really don't understand what's going on in their organization. There are tools from Microsoft, there are tools from us, um, which will tell you how many teams are out there, how many have been created and uh, people are cracking on and working away absolutely, you know, with, without issue. Um, but I do wonder whether or not they're aware of security holes, what's being shared, who's being shared, where they've got duplicate teams, have they got information in one team that should be in a different team, what's happened to all the guests that have uh, been added by various people, et cetera. And I think there are potentially Playing the whole fear game here. Uh, <laughs> quite a few uh, surprises to come probably over the next sort of six to 12 months as as people start to get to grips with their security and their compliance and all that sort of stuff. I think it's quite actually going to be quite a mess. I don't know that people really have a handle on what's going on here.
2: Thoughts? I th- yeah, I think that's a really easy trap to fall into when you turn on something like Teams. I think speaking from uh, experience, if I'm allowed to say this, <laughs> of when well, well, we, you, uh... you
0: you you created problems for yourself. <laughs> yes,
2: I've created loads of mess. But when we, because we were obviously um, early adopters, right, of Microsoft Teams at Modality, um, and I think, um everyone would be honest and say that we found ourselves in a bit of a mess a year on from that that wasn't obviously around covid that was a while ago now and luckily we've (laughs) managed to unmess ourselves a bit but um but yeah I, I think it's a really easy route to go down because everyone you know goes off with this new tool and they develop their own kind of their own teams processes around teams too many teams um but so you know you can easily recreate business silos which is probably not what you want um and then you have to sort of go back a step and um sort of refine a whole company-wide approach um which is what what we ended up doing rather than having all of these silos of like pockets of people using teams this way and pockets of people using teams that way and like business processes not necessarily linking up together in a sensible way I think I think that I think the business process side will be um definitely something that companies are going to need to revisit because there will there will be these little kind of breakout groups who are going oh yeah well teams is working really well for us in this way but it's not necessarily of benefit to the whole company and their customers um so so yeah apart from the obvious ones of like where are you storing all your documents and did you yeah. know this guest has access to all of these <laughs> things that that are? I, sure. I,
0: I, I think one of one of one of the sort of the it's almost turned in turned into a downward or potential downfall is that when you deliver <coughs> uh, projects from the sort of the traditional project point of view and you're going to build something you're going to put it in you're going to get configured and you're going to wrap all your security and governance around and work out what's going to sit where the ease of turning on Teams and combine that with the the speed with which people have done I think there's been a whole bundle over here that's just been completely missed. Yeah, well, that's, think... the,
1: yeah, that's the heart of it, Pete, isn't it? I mean, if if you would have look at the sizeable customers that we've got who've done this, have just switched it on and moved, and they've done that in a week or two weeks, and they've taken thousands and thousands of people from being office-based workers to home-based workers. Now, this is in a project that in normal times, they'd have had committees deciding around for months, they'd have then launched the project, that had put a timescale of 18 months, that had delivered it in three years, and even then they wouldn't have finished it. And all that time, there'd have been governance and security people saying, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but all the way through. And in this instance, in, in a matter of a fortnight, in many cases, significant companies have gone, right, you have to work from home, we need to find a way of doing it, bang, just make yep. it happen. And that's bound to have left. You know, gradually, as things get back to normal, you can just imagine all well, those governance people, all those, those process people, all well, those those compliance people are going to be going excuse me hang on when we when we did <laughs> well, that, that yeah. when when you get batting <laughs> me back and saying no shut up it's too important just don't go gonna say, they're, they're going to come in with an i told you so badge aren't uh, yeah. <laughs> almost guaranteed almost guaranteed. Yeah. It, it's not a done and i've been in the it industry a lot a lot of years and it's not a project dynamic that i've seen at this scale um ever you know we just you know i, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this and therefore I'm not sure anyone's in a position to say, oh, yes, uh, I I know exactly what's going to happen as all this starts to unravel and settle down and we get back to whether that's normal or this horrendous new normal (laughs) phrase. Um, I I don't think we can have anyone who can definitively say this is what's going to occur because there are stones going to be lifted all over the shop. Now, uh, is it going to be a case, though, of the
0: compliance people and the governance people come back in and go, we need to have a look at this or is it going to be created by pain first as in oh hang on they've got access to to this information they shouldn't
1: have what do you reckon almost both almost certainly both it's i think mean, it's going to be how lucky do you feel punk you know it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. three
0: minutes in and we've got to the
1: dirty hurry already. I, I think i think a few organizations are going to go going to maybe uncover issues and they're going to say good Thank heavens that the the, uh, uh, the authorities didn't spot that gaping hole in our compliance, because you know we could have been in serious trouble. Luckily, we fixed it first. Uh, you know, let let's watch the news. There's bound to be some incidents over the next twelve or eighteen months where some uh, authority says this organisation, in a rush to do uh, homework as a result of COVID, have breached all kinds of uh, compliance issues. I think it's almost inevitable.
0: Because I I think we are still. And quite surprisingly, so. I think we're we're still in a phase where organizations who are slightly behind the you know the ones that just went turn it on, they are still pushing it out quite rapidly. And you know most people have done it to some extent, but we're still seeing organizations now. And I think there's out of the last twelve months of conversations, I would say I've come across one organization who has said, we're just going to stick and do it bit by bit, and we're going to make sure the governance is right before we turn anything else on. But I think that's, that's quite rare. I think.
1: Mm. No, it, it is. I mean, I think it's interesting looking at the sort of futures for those organisations that haven't, you know, gone uh, whole hog and are doing the tidy up piece afterwards. Um, uh, you, I, I find it really hard to consider any IT director, any CIO, uh, even if it's a business that's got through this pretty much unscathed. You know, mm. they've, they've, they've been uh, key industry or, or suppliers, they've had to have some uh, site workers and people who are visiting clients and all those kind of good things. Um, for an IT director or CIO not to put into place some kind of um, tooling system process, some, some scenario that would allow them to work remotely as a business, because when the next big thing comes along, because you know this has been uh, dealing with a, a DR uh, uh, issue on this uh, business continuity uh, problem of this scale is, is unprecedented no one's had to do this before no. and so, uh, if you if you then if you don't invest and don't consider this and don't plan for this in the future uh, for being something else maybe not a pandemic you know maybe you know, some kind of environmental catastrophe um who's doing it genuinely you'' but who's going to be the brave guy that sits there and say no, that's not going to happen. We, we don't need to plan for that. The, the chances are infinitesimally small. Well, suddenly we've been hit with something that uh, is real and the consequences have been so dramatic. I think even if we'd been told six months uh, in advance there's going to be a pandemic,
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think good. we'd have reacted
1: to the level we've had to react. I think we'd no, I, I, I I have really something
0: much softer. point. Because if, if you'd have been told in advance this was going to happen, you wouldn't know what to plan for. You know, I mean, it's like oh, everyone's going to be able to work from home. Oh, okay, cool. But I don't think anybody sort of foresaw, you know, the, the actual sort of shutting down and no cars on the road, no this, no that, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously the flip side is the, you know, the the mental side. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. well, mental and physical. I mean, you know, we, we've obviously got things happening within our organization and, you know, we're, in the scheme of things, not the biggest company out there. So, I mean, it must it must be pretty... <laughs> pretty big but uh, we're digressing off of whatever (laughs) the topic but
2: well um, on a you know like on a positive note around all of that it sort of opens up the discussion massively about work and working hours and flexible working and you know sort of treating employees as humans with lives rather than Mm -hmm. just employees like you know everyone's had to get on board with each other's (laughs) you know, differing schedules a little bit more and be be a little bit kinder to each other. Um, And I feel like that's something I hope is going to continue. And, you know, when things do go back to normal, if they ever do or whatever this new normal is, like employers are going to have a hard time convincing people that they need to be in an office and that they can't work from home i think so well, that, um... that,
0: that, the whole the whole of it's not effective for people to work from home has in a lot of cases has been chucked right out the window hasn't it because yeah. there are organizations out there and we're not talking about obviously about physical ones that depend on footfall and
2: no. you know
0: manufacturing and that kind of thing but you look at the main sort of traditionally office-based functions and you know they're still able to perform their jobs and so mm. yeah that argument has been blown out the window i mean I think um off the back of this, you know, we're probably not going to be encouraging our consultants and delivery teams to be going straight back into the way they were working because that yeah. takes out two, three, four hours of the working day or adds two, three, four hours onto it. Um so I think, you know, if if, if we do fall back into normal, it's probably a bit of a missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, definitely. We would have missed a trick, um, I think. There and is that's...
0: there is good to come out of the out of the mess. I guess. But yeah, it's sometimes <laughs> difficult to see it. I think if, you know, depending on how how much of the mess you're in, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, I mean, I was hugely impressed, you know, let's let's bring it back into the bits that we've observed directly. I was hugely impressed in at our own organisation's ability to, to transform almost overnight to yeah. being you know, 100% home workers. And, and that wasn't just restricted to um, you know, operations like the US and the UK, which are very used to home working. Um, but for our colleagues in Malaysia, where it was very much an office-based culture, I mean, home working yeah. was absolutely an exception. You know, that was when you had you know, extreme childcare issues, or you were going to the dentist, or whatever. Um, they just it just wasn't part of the the, you know, the daily grind was you know, to work from home. And suddenly, almost overnight, that whole team got dispersed, um, and and pretty much without exception, I don't think a single customer noticed. Yeah. Uh, aside from a, you know, a strange background. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, no one spotted it so I think that was that was dramatic I think for me the, the on the personal level you know we're we're all used to you know you form relationships at, at work you get to know you know, you know certain people who go and play golf, rally golf with them you know you know you, you know, know they've got so many kids and all this kind of good stuff so I think at a certain level traditionally in an office environment you get to know a fair amount about a few people um, yeah. what I found is as a result of this 12 months of lockdown and teams working is that I know know a pretty good amount about loads and loads of people. You know, yeah. I, I know that they've got cats or dogs or babies <laughs> and what the baby <laughs> looks like. And you know, I've, I've waved at Elias in in Malaysia, and it's you know it's been really interesting to just get that sort of insight into people's um, people's lives. You know, to the extent yeah. that they want you to know about it. And it's uh, um so it's 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 been not as much as the kind of in you know, in depth colleagues straight friendship you get. And you, you almost become you know that friends and colleagues boundary gets to blur, um, yeah. but certainly a greater in depth knowledge about people's lives and what goes on. And I'm you know as I, as I indeed have shared with uh, many others with, with Ellis interrupting every call that in my <laughs> I think he's asleep now. we well, probably okay. <laughs> cool. Um,
0: so yeah, I think that's probably good for our first topic. Um, uh, yeah, I think. Um, to summarize you know th- there's been a lot to come out of it um but it definitely feels like there's going to be a period coming up in the next six to twelve months whatever it is where there's going to be a bit of uh clearing up to do and maybe a little bit of pain experienced by a few organizations but hopefully people can take this and have a listen and go yeah actually you know maybe we need to do something about this sooner rather than later yeah
1: well, l- luckily we're ideally placed to help pete
0: Good point. (laughs) Oh, good plug. (laughs) Right, on to topic two.
1: So, so my topic for today was um, uh, been a a lot of activity around recruitment this year to uh, for some backfill and some and powering our growth that we've had. So, lots and lots of recruitment going on, Um, and because of the initiative from group around. um, Uh, reviews and and objective setting uh, for next year uh, we're back on the sort of personal development for our teams again Um, so I've been thinking about a lot about how we hire people and and where they end up and so on Um, and I've been uh, chewing around this whole concept of attitude and aptitude as being is that the real criteria by which we should hire people typically we put out a job description and it'll say somewhere in there a typical candidate will have X number of years doing this and four number number of years doing this and will have run teams of 10 people or more um, and will have these badges. They'll definitely have all these technical badges. Um, And so many times in my career, I've had people that match exactly that uh, specification. Uh, You bring them in and they're absolutely train wrecks. Very difficult people to work with. Um, have no real interest in, in, in what they've actually been doing for the last 10 years, um, that someone's just pushed them down that career path and, and they've got a CV to die for, uh, but end up being you know, really, uh, usually adequate because they do tick all the boxes. So they can, yeah. yes, they can do the job, but, but not necessarily automatic, the sort of superstar that you want. Um, and conversely, in, in admittedly, my long and varied career, I've hired some people um, not quite on the whim, but you, you've met them, uh, you've ignored the CV because it was entirely inappropriate, but for, so, for some reason they've got through the um, the screening process. And I, I, I go back to you know, hiring network engineers back in the day, and there were two that particularly stood out to me. One, one had been running his own uh, courier business, um, and and before that had been working in courier jobs and manual labour and all kinds of things. Uh, so a bright bloke had run, set his own business up, become quite successful, um, but he decided he wanted to get it back in, into technology. Um, and another guy who was a, a technician on the Dartford River crossing, so spent his his life working shifts, climbing up power poles, fixing lighting gantries and arrays and all these kind of good things. Uh, not necessarily, um, you know, someone you think would, was totally equipped for the new world of Cisco voice over IP, which is flavour of the month at the time. And yet those two individuals, as an example, turned out to be absolutely stellar at their job. They had such hunger they had such an ability to uh, communicate uh, with customers and with colleagues and to get people on board to problem solve uh, they became absolutely stellar so mm-hmm. so i wonder if we in, in when we when we hire people uh, if we put too much store by badges and tickets because that sort of thing you can teach people yeah you know, ultimately a bit of investment in training you can t- you can teach those things what you can't teach is those there's natural attitude and aptitude skills that that you know, we tend to overlook. And, and, and just briefly, what you end up with, I think, um, if you have a program of just doing that, just, just hiring by badge and hiring by CV, you end up with a whole bunch of people who are actually mismatched and inequipped for the job they're doing. And you have to have a big program of playing them back in position. So find out what they actually do well, what yeah. their skills actually, their natural innate skills and um, uh, equipment for, And then reposition them into something that you know where they can give their best, rather than pushing against the boundaries all the time. So that that's just just been stirring around my head as we're trying to do all this hiring. Yeah, I mean we we, we've been doing a lot of hiring as well,
0: and um, I think you're absolutely right. There are loads of really well certified people out there, Um, but you know going back across the years, I've met loads of really well certified people who I wouldn't want anywhere near my business. <clears throat> and it's it's difficult to pick it apart because from a technical perspective they need a certain amount of technical skills to be able to do the the fundamentals of what we're asking them to um, but more and more that you know as I sort of gone through um through the working world i find that the the attitude and aptitude of the person becomes more and more important especially when you're building you know, like a, a, a proper team culture and, you know, you want everybody to work together. You've, you've got to have that kind of personality who fits in and sees that the the values that we have around, you know, customer is the absolute priority. We do the, you know, the always the best design for the situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they've got to have that same kind of ethic backing them in and you can't teach somebody that kind of thing very easily. Um, I think you mentioned it the other day. Um, there's a, a, a short clip of um, Simon Sinek, and he's talking about how uh, you know the U.S. Navy SEALs pick their team, and there's basically performance versus trust. Um, and you know, high performing, high trust person is your absolute, you know, um, perfect solution. Nobody wants the low performing, untrustworthy person, which is absolutely <laughs> fine, um, but you know from the from the remaining sort of um zone that's sort of left of it they will always take the trust and the 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 aptitude over the performance because that's what's going to you know help build your your cohesive team and and, and I think it's, it's it's absolutely bang on not that we're building a crack squad of military <laughs> personnel here obviously just as a side note no. but <laughs> not far more important <laughs> than that so yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah so I, mean, I think it is yeah
1: and how, it,
2: you, how long does then. it take to, how long does it take to get a feel for that in a person because I know in in my personal life I have friends who I would absolutely trust down to the ground and are really intelligent people but their social skills are not the best and so they don't interview well at all and they really struggle in an interview situation because they can't kind of sort of bring across <laughs> what they need to but um it's a real shame because I know from knowing them in you know in personal life that they would be great for that job so how, how long do you how long do you give someone to sort of think, give
0: think off the get... right vibe yeah you I think you tend to get a feel very, very quickly because you can you can nearly always see past nerves. You can tell what when somebody's nervous or they're just sort of, oh, I don't know, should I be saying the right thing? (laughs) And I, I think one of the one of the skills in interviewing is just actually putting people at ease. You know. I mean, ultimately, yes, you could do a big panel interview and have people sitting there grilling them, you know the front that's not the real world, though is it? You know, i mean, if i'm if I'm like this, then I should be like this on an interview. I don't see why it's changing. So I think we, if you you know make people relax a little bit, take the pressure off them. Tell a joke, you know, whatever it is. Uh, let your dog or cat wander into screenshot. We're human, right? It doesn't make it doesn't make any difference. But uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a very quick thing. You pick up very very quickly whether or not you, you'd want to work with this person.
1: Yeah, and I think that's isn't that sort of the, that's the management superpower, isn't it? Is being able to um, get under the skin of people quite quickly and pick up the messages and don't don't necessarily um, jump to a conclusion on one particular trait um it it just let it come out of them is i guess it's part of that whole debate around intelligence and emotional intelligence the iq eq debate and and managers who are very very good tend to have high eq i think they have that high empathy score they can they can get a sense of how someone is people can be massively effective and efficient and yet find it very hard to tap into um the drivers and emotions of the people sat across from them so I, i think you know, that's where a, a really, really good managers have that ability to, to quickly latch on. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Lindsay, it's a, it's a bit of a, a challenge because you, you, know, you can't take you know, two or three weeks to know someone typically um, <laughs> and really get under the skin and see how they operate in different environments. Unless you go through one of these you know, hugely complex recruitment processes, you know, you'll see organizations. Um, I know Unilever, they, they hired uh, my stepson, Jamie, a, on this modern apprenticeship a few years back. Um, And they went through a whole stage of processes of quick uh, form that you had to fill out, then two or three telephone interviews, then I think three workshops where they spent whole days doing things and and absolutely scientifically drilled under the skin. Ended up Mm. with 5,000 applicants and 40 um, placements. Um, So you you can go through that, but who has the time and Mm -hmm. and the investment capability to go through that kind of process? It's just not possible. So I think it it becomes a gut feel, um, yeah. And you need to have people who have that ability to draw it out quite quickly. I think there's no no real escape from that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, you know the last thing for me was,
0: um, you know, my my brother went. This was years ago. Went through an, an interview process, and I remember they sort of they went through the standard two interviews, whatever it was, and I think there was a third one so they could meet somebody else. And then at some point they turned around and said, Oh, could we just do one more? And he was, well, no, if you haven't decided that you like me now. Sorry, I'm out. And I, I think that's you know, an absolutely brilliant approach is that relationship's gotta be two ways. It's all very well us trying to try put someone defend, you know, uh, get under the skin. I'm, I'm a bit worried that getting under the skin is in your job description or something, Bob. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you've gotta go through that process. But likewise, you know, I would say if somebody's coming to an interview with us, if, if, if they think I'm a complete idiot, you know, they, they've gotta have the conversation. to <laughs>
1: Sure. I'm like, why Ryan would does. I not work for
0: him? Yeah. So, which is, you know, fine. I don't think I'm an idiot. I don't know it might be, but that's totally fine. Brilliant. <laughs> <No comment>. Okay. <laughs> Shall we move to topic number three?
1: Absolutely. Topic number three. So, um,
2: my topic is uh, etiquette in Microsoft Teams. <laughs> um, and whether it's something that does exist or should exist or will exist or could exist. So we have um, etiquette in everyday life, right? You hold a door open for somebody, you say bless you when they sneeze, like all of that stuff is a given. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of behaviours that go on where people are interacting with each other on Microsoft Teams where um I I don't know. I just think some of it is polite and then some of it is not polite. And I think I think that's part of a bit of the some of the mess of Microsoft Teams actually is um, (laughs) like do people know, like there's no agreed sort of um, script as to how you interact with people on there. And. um, uh, particularly, I think they move away from so Skype for business and and presence-based communication. So you could always see when somebody was available, when they were busy, when they were in a meeting. you can still see that now. Um, but for direct chat, it's all persistent. so you just kind of pick up a conversation where you left off anyway. So actually, you know if like is it appropriate to reach out to someone even though you You can see that they're on a call because the chat's persistent and they can read it whenever they're free and it doesn't particularly matter to you when they pick it up you know there's so there's a whole presence thing um and then there's also these people who just ping you a message saying hi with nothing Uh, else
0: (laughs) and
2: if if you are on a call and they (laughs) ping you hi and you don't respond for half an hour You've, you've just then got, got this random hi high. i've, I've high. Got
0: two questions and, for you go one on. can i treat this as therapy yes.
1: um, <laughs> two am i allowed to swear profusely
2: <laughs> no. C- cer-
1: certainly certainly yes to the first
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I think yeah. but it's unfair though isn't it because there's no rules around this yet like nobody d- does it it have to, is it something that has to be set on an organizational level? Does, like, you know, do the do the CEOs of companies need to say, we need to be doing this, this, and this in teams? Or is it something that's going to evolve over time? Or do you just I, have to tell I, people, look, look, it really thing. gets my goat when you just say hi and nothing else. So don't ruddy well yes. do it.
0: So to, to that's it. <laughs> I don't think you'd get away with it as being a company directive. For me, I, I, there are certain things that, that absolutely wind me up. And if I of you two to start doing it off the back of this, uh, <laughs> there'll be repercussions. But um the 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 high bit and then wandering off absolutely drives me up. It's like when you know voicemail came out and people would leave, you know, and you'd have your answer machine at home or you'd have your, your voicemail on your phone and they'd go, Can you give me a call? No, tell me tell me what it's about. You know. Um because all you're doing is asking me to ring back and that's that's fine but you could have just rung it another time um, so i think you know that there are absolute givens like that if if you've not got the time to actually talk to somebody you know occasionally yes you're going to get distracted or diverted onto something else but generally if you're going to make contact with someone make contact with someone and you know whatever it is um, i don't think microsoft have helped themselves with the uh, interrupting a phone call so presence for me is <laughs> Real world, not what it says on the tin. Um, You know, green, yeah, absolutely fine. Ping me, call me, don't mind. Um, Away, well, if I'm away, I'm damn typically away from my desk. So, yeah, leave me a message when I get back, I don't mind. Um, It's the red ones, I think, that are contentious because it used to be quite clear that you were in a call. Mm. Now it's just the red button, you have to hover over it to say you're in a call. The red, I think, is if you can see they're not on a call, it's kind of uh, fair game. I'll send them a message. Are you free to talk or Can you just answer me this question when you've got a moment? Whatever it is, I think that's okay. Um, but if you're in a call, no, <laughs> <laughs> don't. So I think I think the the fact that it's been um, de-emphasised, you know, the fact that somebody's on a call, you almost need something to go. I'm sending a message to somebody on a call. They're in a call. Do you want to carry on? You know, I, I think there needs to be some sort of prompt because that doesn't happen in my mind.
1: I mean, it's tricky if you try and transpose this back into an office environment. You've got, um, you know, it is just the red light, is that the equivalent of someone just being head down over a, a document? And you could come along and say, just, you know, when you've got a second, um, rather than someone sat there on a telephone call when you probably wouldn't seek to interrupt them. It's a, it's a, that's quite a good yeah. answer, actually, isn't it? If yeah. they're on the phone, would you walk up and go, sorry you got a minute yeah, yeah. which you clearly you would, wouldn't, wouldn't you? but if they were just occupied doing stuff then yeah you, then you may you may well and, and and it's a bit like someone being in a meeting room i suppose you know we're, we're on a on a, a meeting here um you know would someone barge in and say uh yeah you know, are you busy pete And you clearly yeah. obviously are <laughs> if you're in a, yeah. in a, in a meeting um it's it, it's interesting and and
2: that does happen <laughs> yeah and,
1: and could and should you and it would do one of the sort of tricking the, to the next point does it does it vary depending on who you know who you're applying it to because mm. you know, there are certain people that you know i work with every single day I, i'll talk to 10 15 times a day um and i'd feel fairly comfortable with uh, a number of those to say you know see they're busy but i'll just say um uh, no rush, but could you get back to me as soon as you're free, and mm-hmm. just leave it at that. And and, and that's a, yeah. you know, I I just want I want to register the fact that when they've got a minute now, there's other people that I probably wouldn't do that with. Yeah. Because I'd I'd feel you know uh, oh no maybe I'd, I'll just wait until I can see that they're absolutely free or or you know, even worse I'll drop them an email and ask them to you know, <laughs> come back to me. That's, I think it, it's interesting actually because I think one of the key things
0: for me is if I'm I'm quite good at if somebody does something. Like that, like interrupting or whatever it is, I'll I'll go back to them and go, no, you know, if if I'm in a call, I'm in a call or wh- whatever it is that's annoyed me, um, and I think you have to do that. But um, I do guess there's probably a whole group of people who feel that they probably need to respond because they've got a message from their manager or their so and so, and it would be interesting to know whether or not that actually puts the sort of the pressure levels up on them. Oh gosh, because I mean, it was probably, you know, it's chat now, but of course it used to be instant messaging, isn't it? Yeah. It's instant, you must deal with it straight away or maybe you could just choose to wait until it was convenient for you. But
2: we've got um, a, a notification obsession culture, haven't we? Like, ping, 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 oh, I should get onto this because I've yeah. made a noise and done a flacky light. And, you know, it's clearly important because it's... Yeah, we get right up the tech, on don't we? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So. It's, it's
1: interesting. Think, when you were saying 100%. that, I was, I, was, I was thinking there's probably people uh, at peer level and, and above who I'd feel fairly... I'd quite freely interrupt, yeah. um, you know, on a polite way, and because you know, this is quite important, I need to get hold of you as soon as you're free. Um, I think instinctively, and it, it didn't really occur to me until you said that. Um, but if, it, if it's a, a more junior body, you know, because I've got a posh job title, it's um, yeah. got global, global in the world, isn't it? Don't yeah, yeah. That's- <laughs> that, dead, dead posh that is. Um, but it, it, I'd be very cautious, conscious about. Uh, about interrupting someone who who is perceptively perceived to be far more junior, because I yeah. wouldn't want them to feel under pressure to drop what they're doing and come back to me because it's because it's the glo- head of global managed services um, mm. rather than it's Bob. It's and I just... uh, I, mem- I remember years and years ago, when I was MD of a services business, and um, my my PA at the time, Julie, really told me off because we'd have new starters come in, green as grass, you know, early twenties, and and very keen to impress, nice new suit and all that kind of stuff. And I go and have a chat to them on the first day. Sit on the end of the desk, and have a and they, she said, look, you're staring the hell out of them. Um, <laughs> just, you know, they, they've been told that that bloke over there in that corner office is the MD. Um, yeah. And next thing you know, you come and sat on their desk. You know, give them a break. You know, look, just break them gently. And I think you do have to have a, a sense that you know, if you've got a, an implied senior position, uh, and you'd come under the same bracket, Pete, you know, and and you, Lindy, because you're just important. Um, that you, you can I think, to be seen to be. You can be seen <laughs> to be putting pressure on on more junior members of the team, because they they see the job title and they think they've got to jump yeah. and drop everything. I think I've just yeah. seemed to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is very. Even if you have, have a set of rules, I mm. I think I would apply them very differently to, uh, across the team. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: the um, the other thing that you you talked about is the is the basic politesse.
0: Do you say good morning to everyone, or do you carry on conversations? And yeah. I've got if I look through the you know the the, the, the chats I've got down um, you know the side of my my team's client, it's a real mishmash. There will be people that I haven't spoken to for you know a week or or two weeks or whatever it is, straight back in off the back of the conversation that we last had. No no airs, no graces, no yeah. no nothing there's other people in the organization who I know will start with the, how are you? I'm fine. What have you been yeah. up to? I haven't been up yeah. to. And yeah, <laughs> I don't really mind it everywhere, you know, either way. Um, but you know, I, do find the, um, the sort of the, 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 the full conversation bit. It's like, well, if you want to have a conversation with me, yeah, just put in a call. Yeah. I'm happy to either way. I really don't mind, but, um, yeah, it it is a I think it is a real mishmash of, of of how people do it. I don't think you I don't think you'll ever get it lined up.
2: No, because people are so different, aren't they? Like yeah. I found myself um at the moment something that I'm doing that is annoying myself. I will
0: <laughs> You're annoying yourself. <laughs>
2: I'm annoying myself, yeah. So if somebody um answers my question on chat or in a channel, I'll do a little thumbs up um mm. as a sort of thank you acknowledgement whatever but then I'll also type a message underneath saying thank you <laughs> and then I think well hang on <laughs> that's a waste of time because they'll have seen my little thumbs up so like but then I worry that it's not as enough of a of a gratitude uh, I think, I think <laughs> so then should... I have to vocalize the thank you you should add, you really... a,
1: add a gif and follow up with an email I think in yeah second, so... yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's really weird right it's like like I used to really people who, who just send um, emails in reply saying oh thank you Um a bit usually I would have been a bit like oh well there was no need so for that really so like, I've already forgotten <laughs> I've already <laughs> forgotten so that I've done that thing so there's no thank you necessary like I'm just doing my job and now I'm doing it myself <laughs> in yeah. Teams channels because I ARP. don't know what the rules
1: are. <laughs> next next I, time some Lindsay does something for you, send flowers. I think that's yes. It. Absolutely. yes.
0: I you know, I, I'm so glad we, we aren't going down the email route because that would just be a yeah. my introduction to the topic would actually just be ten minutes of you not getting a word in Edgeways with me just going, <laughs> scourge of my life. <laughs> so yeah, team Teams is way, way better. But I think that yeah, we, we could do a lot uh, a lot more on that, I think. Cool. Well, I think we're, I think we're done. Excellent. Thanks very much, folks. Been a pleasure we'll An emotional for episode two. Has it been emotional? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that your emotional face? Yeah, it's, it's the same
1: face. But yeah, it's, uh, fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Sweet. Thank you very much, both. Um, Cheers guys. Thanks for listening. And we hope you found it interesting and enjoyable. And remember, if you want us to talk about anything in particular in a future episode, then please get in touch at the modpod at modalitiesystems.com. We'll be back in a fortnight with the next episode. Take care, stay safe, and you know where to find us. modalitiesystems.com. The Mod Pod by Modality Systems.